Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. With your host, Todd Martin. All right. So, um, yeah, I guess it takes a little bit for people to start checking in on it. And what I'll probably do for those of you, um, welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Um, and we are at uh, Free Rome Brewery in Bernie, Texas, with Matt Zancanella, Zancanella and Clay Ulri. 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 It's only my third podcast, Todd. You should be getting know, it down by like now. I know. It's like to be a regular. <laughs> I'm going to have to start charging you for being on. Starting to feel like a host. <laughs> yeah. Something like Takeover's that. Takeover's going on. You'd be like, uh, um, what do you call it, Fan of White? Moving the numbers or something. <laughs> He'd be good at that. <laughs> um, so we'll probably just kind of like play around a little bit until they, you start getting a few more people coming on and stuff. Um, but so for those of you that are going to be just on podcast later on, um, we are actually live. Um, this is our first live podcast. And we're doing it out of Free Rome uh, Brewery in um, Bernie, Texas. And uh, they've kind of done a soft opening, but they are uh, it's really a cool brewery. How are the beers? Man, this IPA I got, it's really good. Yeah? It's really good. I yeah. mean, and I'm not much of a beer guy. Pretty much I like whiskey, but yeah. this will work. Yeah. I, it's you, making my head feel funny. <laughs> so it's working yeah. <laughs> on the Canadian heavy end? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's saying a lot from him. Um, yeah, I, um, and the Pepsi's all right. The Pepsi's good. <laughs> Pepsi's good. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not very. Um, some of us are not gifted in drinking, so um, we try not. No, whiskey just makes me fight. So I kind of swore off of that a long time ago. Whiskey, I think, makes me sleep well. Yeah. <laughs> sleep well. When uh, they say a toddy, they mean a the, eyeball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, so you guys are in town for the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. When are you, when are you guys up? Oh, we're going to rope on the 10th, 11th, and 12th, afternoon of the 12th. So how does that work? Like, so whenever you go to interrupt at San Antonio, you do, it's like a regular, like a regular roping that you enter up like three times or you get one time with you and uh, how does that work? No, it's just one time. You got one partner, you enter the rodeo. Um, and here at San Antonio is a little different. It's uh, they take, take the top 40 in the world from the year before, get the qual they qualify to come to San Antonio. Um, they run it tournament style. You get three head. Against 10 guys. Against 10 guys. They oh, take really? the top, I think three. Two. Or top two money earners in the out in of your three set, rounds. Out of three rounds, goes to the semifinals, and then if you do good there, you make it onto the finals. Oh, really? So, so your first your first three are against the group of 10 that you're? Yep. Oh, really? So the same 10 guys run every night. Then you advance to semifinals against another group of 10. Then you'll advance to the finals against another group of 10. So there'll be guys potentially that you compete. Well, actually, most guys in the finals will be competing against guys they haven't competed against yet. Because they probably came from one of the other Different brackets. three groups. Yeah. Three brackets. Five brackets. Think, oh, that's cool. I think there's five brackets because it's some off the old year standing and some off the new year standing. Yeah, they give so So I think many, it's five groups yeah. of 10. Okay. Yeah. Ah, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that part of it. Um, so, in so do you guys? I know, like on regular 
a lot of the rodeos, you have to pay your entries. Do you guys pay entry here? It's cool. San Antonio's, they pay your fees for you. Well, you, and you also get to go sign autographs, so you're guaranteed money every night. Um, it's one of the, it's, it's my favorite rodeo of, of the whole year. I mean, here in Pendleton, Oregon are my two favorite. Yeah. I love Cheyenne Frontier Days, but San Antonio ranks right up there. I mean, when you're talking about buckles, you want to win when you rodeo. Yeah. San Antonio's one of them. Yeah. So it is considered the number one indoor rodeo. Oh, it's just it's a big rodeo, and, yeah. and they give bad, they give really cool buckles. I mean, yeah. Gary Gist, you know, I mean, it's it's like a world champion. Prestigious, buckle. prestige, yeah. you know, like winning Salinas, you win Pendleton, you win Cheyenne. Those are prestige buckles. It's the kind of stuff people can never take away that's from right. it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, you kind of sometimes you just take advantage of it that it's the rodeo that's in your backyard. You know, that you you've always gone to since you're a kid and. You know, for me, um, you know, I showed livestock and stuff as a kid growing up, going to the rodeo, and and knowing that this rodeo is such a big part of this community. It is kind of like San Antonio is kind of like the biggest small town that there is, you know, for as big a city as it is. And you know, it's so a many big people, city for where I come from. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for sure, big city from where I come from too. And, and it just blows me away the help they get at San Antonio. You know, it's all donated. They donate their help, and I mean, they've got more people working there than I know amazing. It's, and it's just the people of the San Antonio volunteered so they can be a part of it and say yeah. I work at the San Antonio Livestock Rodeo I mean they it's a big deal and you, you talk to the people that are helping they love it yeah they literally take their vacation around For sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they take their three weeks of worth of vacation they do the Help the unload Santa stuff Rio. and moving stuff around like, and keeping it all going it's pretty cool yeah, right I sat on a plane today with a cop some cops that were on there and he said he was a san antonio police officer for 16 years he he said it's unbelievable the new facility and and the change and different things but he he's been there 16 years and he loves going and that's a one of his favorite times of year he said yeah so. yeah yeah it's kind of cool yeah so I, I spent a lot of time growing up there and then showing there as a as a as a you know sh with showing horses and stuff like that and so you get to see a different part of it and be a different part of it and stuff sure. but it is really kind of something that that kind of goes around to everybody exactly. and 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 there's a lot of kids a lot of kids going and raising livestock and stuff well, here the benefits they give them there at san antonio i mean when they do the calf scramble i mean they're donating a calf to these kids to bring back and sell at the sale and show and and the amount of money that they're putting back into the city, I think, is astronomical. Yeah. Ah, what it brings to the city and what it what it brings money. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things, too, is that I think it's really kind of cool when they do that calf scramble. They give those kids a, ca a calf. It's, you know, you're like, oh, well, the kid got a calf. Like, the kid got a whole lot of work. That's right. You know, he got a he got a whole you know steer that he got to raise. He got to be able to you know teach it, lead it to round. He's got to feed it. He's got to doctor it. He's got to deal. And yeah, there's a lot of you know a trouble that that kid just got. You know, a lot of work, but it's it's where they learn. Right? Biggest thing is responsibility. You know, yeah. I mean, something that the, I believe the country lacks these days is our kids having responsibilities and mm. having things they got to wake up and go do. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and I think that that's like, I think that's one thing that the rural kids growing up, you know, in rural America, you know, that all of us kind of like have never really taken for granted that, you know. You, I you never know, grew up in America. You, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you didn't. It's way different where you're at. Way different. Yeah, we think we got problems. Look at their problems. Boy, you ain't kidding. Why? Right. And, and since the last time we talked, 
those guys are still parking all their trucks up there and yeah they're doing good yeah well that's awesome Proud of them. the truckers are the truckers are making a stand and, isn't that and something else and the best part is is they're the ones that impact the 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 country as much as anybody if they can't get what? food you know these people when they go to the store and can't get food they're gonna understand the truckers are oh, not man. taking it you know i and it's it you know and the, and the funny thing about that is that nobody really understands the importance of another person's role in society until it goes away right, right? i mean it just you know it's just a, you know truckers who can't be a trucker and like you know you, you wait I mean, you, you know, you're away from your family. If you're an over-the-road trucker, man, that's a hard living. That's a hard living. And you make good money, but you pay for it with a lot of whole lot of work and time away from home and everything else. Um, but they're needed. It's a big job. It's a lot like rodeo and just a little different. <laughs> yeah. Full-time trucker. They've made me proud to be Canadian again. That's right. And you ought to be. It's, uh, you know, through the COVID deal, I mean, rodeo has just been non-existent up there. So, you know, that's my whole livelihood. So that's, uh, I'm pretty proud of them and what they're doing and what they're doing, I think is, is right. I mean, it's, yeah. they've been locked right now, you know. <laughs> it's been pretty impressive to see how, for one, how much tenacity they've had to stay up there through it all. I mean, that's a lot. They're and, making change slowly. And they can't, you know, they couldn't. You could, I'll say you didn't think about it, but they've been parked up there for a week. Well, that's great, but you know, there's a lot of things that you do during a week that, yeah. you know, if it, like a whole lot of trash yeah. piles yes, up, yes, there's a lot yes. of things that you got to get, yeah. you got to eat, yeah. you got to, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things about it. the fuel and what they're trying to cut off with their fuel and yeah. stuff like And I love that they couldn't, what they're probably not showing much of is the fact that um, them, in order for them to stay up there and do that, the locals have got to be, supporting them they got to be somebody's got to be feeding them somebody's got to be yeah i mean taking care of them helping them out and all that stuff you know the i think even the local government had, had bought out most of the hotel rooms so they couldn't even go use all the hotel rooms so i mean that the local people the people yeah. are at, are supporting them all by you know feeding them and taking care of all the truckers that have parked their trucks there too they're ready for their freedoms back i know i know all right have we been doing this podcast the whole time or are we just mm -hmm. still killing time no no we're <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing it and, okay yeah, so we started. So we've started. 10, yeah, we started okay. about ten minutes ago. Um, well, I I want to get some stories going here with Zank. Yeah, because this is a storytelling dude right here. Yeah, I don't know about stories. There's you don't think so? <laughs> I think I think we need to start off on him telling us about his rodeo career, Todd. Yeah, well, the early stages. So of, Matt, where? So where did you where did you grow up? Where did you get? How did you get started in 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 rodeo? I grew up in Rock Springs, Wyoming. I actually kind of got went and watched a little of it when I was a kid. My mom, she was into showing horses, and we were into cutter horse racing, and my dad's a vet in Wyoming, and I got to see some roping take place, and I got to where I liked it, and my mom started making sure that we had what we needed to go do it, and I just started roping and got a love of it. And I mean, I didn't come from a background of ropers, like I said, my dad's a vet. My mom, she chariot raced and showed paint horses when we were growing up. But I got a love for roping, and I ran and, you know, got put with the right people. And yeah. Guys that knew, knew the trade, you know. That makes a difference, oh, right? for sure. That's, that's the biggest part is when you got a kid that wants to learn how to rope is get him with someone who's going to get him on the right track, you know. And I, I was fortunate enough to 
get around the right people because my dad was a vet, and so he knew people that roped. And, and then, then I did that, you know, went and got some lessons from a few locals. John Hintz is one of them in Big Piney, Wyoming. He was an older guy that helped me out a lot. And I went on to, you know, start roping more on my own, and then I went to a JD8 school, um, and I went to a Bob Harris school, and they really helped get me the basics. And from yeah. there, I just fell in love with roping and started doing more of it and my dad started getting more into it and next thing you know i i started figuring out a little bit where i could catch and it led me to i went to four national high school finals um in the team open with a guy by the name of paul grindsman um we we did that and then from there i graduated high school in 1994 i graduated and I bought my PRCA card. Um, I became a member in 1995. The first year I rodeoed, I I was on my permit. Um, we I rodeoed with uh, Ace Spratt, and then I started roping with Chance Kelton. Well, at the time, I didn't realize you couldn't make the NFR on your permit, so I had my permit for a little while. I won like 17 or 18,000 on my permit. I ended up buying my card that year, and I ended up, I was like 17th or 18th in the world my first year out of the box. Wow. And they um, only needed 1,000 to fill a permit. And I would have. So they cost themselves 16000 I should have made the NFR the first year. Well, then. So that so the money that you earned on the permit doesn't go toward, didn't count? No, you had to be on your card to make the NFR. So oh. when I had my permit money, didn't count. So the 17000 I had won. That was 16 that you didn't, didn't have, count. that you didn't get to count. Didn't you count. Well, yeah, and I, I. Yeah, and I ended up I would have made the NFR that year if I'd have bought my card after the thousand, which Wow hindsight's twenty twenty. But yeah. it led to the start of my career, I guess. Um I, when I entered into the PRCA I probably I healed as probably as good as anyone in the in the business at the time. I I was I was I I could heal. I, I roped really well and I I guess I started rodeoing and at the time it was a hundred rodeos and and at the time, you might have said I was probably got in with the wrong crowd or whatnot, and and it wasn't even so much the wrong crowd, but uh, I ended up having to drive a lot. You know, we ended up driving. Next thing you know, I was doing things I probably shouldn't have been doing, mm-hmm. and I tried to make the NFR for the next seven years. I rodeoed, and I ended up in the top twenty every year for seven years. I, in fact, I was sixteenth once. Um, now I take the top fifteen. Top fifteen in the world make the NFR. Um, and I got on, I'd went down the wrong path and did some things I probably shouldn't have done and, and kept, kept doing it the way I was doing it when it wasn't working. Well, I decided, um, I ended up moving to South Dakota when my, when my grandma and when my grandpa died, we moved out there and I kind of just got around a new crowd of people and got my life straightened out and I was home working and got me some horses bought at the time. We kind of, we'd built an indoor arena and I was gonna trade a few horses and I remember it like yesterday I was driving I was working the arena and Travis Tryon called me I mean he was one of the top headers in the world at the time I said he said you want to try to go want to go rodeo I said yeah bet you know and I got my life straightened up and went on and we ended up making three NFRs together um I made it to the NFR three times with or all three times with Travis Tryon I ended up opening one of my NFRs with Wade Wheatley but it was the good Lord was not letting me succeed doing the things I was doing until I straightened my life out. Yeah. And then 
my my story's kind of been a it's a, it's a that's a short version of my rodeo career but i mean i i rodeo for 20 years i i made three nfrs i you know and i what i learned in rodeo and something that rodeo brought me that to life today with whatever i've done is um try yeah i mean when you're rodeoing it's so easy to get discouraged and and down because you're out there on the road you're behind the wheel you drive 12 15 hours get out you might rope a leg got to get back in the truck drive another 10 hours and then you your partner breaks a barrier i mean you might go three weeks or two weeks and easily not win <laughs> shit i mean not stop yeah. the clock and and what rodeo taught me was is you better not say well in a bog hole i mean when you hit the bog hole, you better get to whipping because the weakness, guys at rodeo to me are guys that have hell winning and their weakness is when they are doing bad. You know, if they can make the downs equal out to the highs, the highs and lows, you know, the highs and lows of rodeo is the same as highs and lows of life. Yeah, that's, I mean, a, that's you know. the biggest thing I got from Zank last summer, getting to rodeo with him. And keep in mind, I grew up watching this guy on videos and at the NFR, you know, so it's kind of been... How does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> how does that make you feel? Well, <laughs> biggest thing is, is I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him spinning them. I mean, yeah, I get to come to San Antonio. We went circuit rodeoed. We we used around a little more than circuit rodeoed, but... Not much. <laughs> we, we, we circuit rodeoed. I, our plan was to make good money. I mean, Clay was at a point where he'd come off the year before being like 16th or 17th in the world money's tight you know and i said let's go rodeo and make money and shit man when he'd spin one and i'd catch one we'd win first i mean i won eight first in one summer yeah that's I what mean, he was that's, saying that's pretty good i mean yeah. me and travis trying Jeez. we won a lot of first but i mean i don't know if we won eight in one year but he's the reason i come back i mean i'm I'd like to make the NFR again. Don't get me wrong, but sure. I've got, you know, since I've quit rodeoing, I've, I've got kids of my own. I got, you know, I got a 24 year old, I got a 10 year old, and I got a 15 year old girl, 10 year old boy, and I also took in Junior D's when he was about seven years old. I guess seven or eight. He's come and live with me, and um, he lived with me since then. And he ended up making the NFR in 2018. And he was a kid that came, you know, had some problems, you know, going on in his life and took him in. And at the time of taking him in, my family thought I was nuts. I mean, I could have had a hard time taking care of myself. But yeah. I said, shit, I got to be a better place than where he's at now. So I guess he was in trouble with juvenile. He was juvenile delinquent or, you know, juvie in Arizona wanted to do something with him. And I ended up taking him. But my family, you know, at the time, they were like, holy crap. But I've got the four kids or three and junior and and i've now i've become a businessman i've kind of operate you know different different things entrepreneur i would call it i guess yeah. Get lots of different ideas i guess i own pro earth animal health um and pro earth animal health started kind of it was a what free, is pro earth animal health pro earth animal health, health is they own they own zestar we we have zestar and cattle active as our Horse products, Zestar, cattle products, are cattle active, and we sell an all-natural product. A lot of guys out there in the rodeo world know what it is. Uh, um, it, even 
you know, cutting. We're starting to get a little more traction to cutting them, but we, there's a lot of disciplines that don't know about Zestera, but it's a all-natural product that neutralizes acid, eliminates stress. So that's kind of a crazy deal, right? Because um, oddly enough, I found out about Zestera um, from a uh, from folks that were in the hunter jumper horses. Yeah, and I like. I, and I thought, you know, like, wow, well, I'm, I'm going to let everybody else know. But yeah. it was because it, it, it. So for those of you who don't like that, that have horses and play around with horses and stuff, and, but maybe don't haul a bunch and show or on the road a whole bunch and stuff. One of the things about one of the difficulties for somebody that's on the road and stuff is that, well, for one, when we're hauling on the road or you're going and you're outside town, what's the hardest things for me to stay decent with what I eat? It's to stay regular with what I'm eating and, stay, and get a decent diet, but it also kind of messes with my stomach too. And, um, and so to the stress of being on the road, it's the same thing with the horse too. So the problem with, that you get with the horse is that horse will kind of get a, it will get a heavy acidic stomach. They won't eat as well. They're going to, you know, most of the things that your, your, your shipper would be worried about would be um, losing weight losing water weight, um, not being as healthy, I mean, and being more susceptible to, 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 to disease or anything else too, because your immune system's knocked down because you're not eating as well and, and you're not feeling as good. So the horse is the same thing. Uh, so we try to do things like controlling their diet, but also controlling stress and doing that kind of stuff. And so your pro the product that, that, you've, that you guys have come up with is, is one that helps balance that stomach Mm -hmm. is for one but also in the process of doing all that's relieving the stress and the stress that it plays on their on their on their um, digestive system and yep. whatever else too and, and and by result their immune system too mm -hmm. biggest thing is horses are really acidic animals anyway so any kind of stress put on them is detrimental so having this having a product like zestera that keeps them from fasting keeps keeps that acid down keeps that our goal is to keep the pH above four in the stomach um, so they don't have irritation and keeping them eating and drinking, you know, just like you're talking about, you know, something eating and drinking is healthy. Yeah. And the biggest thing that Zestar does keeps them eating and drinking. So how did you come up with that? How did you guys, um, how did, like, where did you even, where'd you come up with the idea of it? Well, it was a product that was brought to my attention and we'd use it on some other things out there you know on different things it was a disinfectant it was you know at a 99.8 percent effective rate against bacteria and how we had an old mare get sick and she was an own daughter peppy sand badger and the vet thought she had salmonella thought she had e coli week in five days he had i'd feed her and we tried everything under the moon to keep her alive i mean own daughter peppy sand badger those are they just, you just don't hear that no and uh so on, on the MSDS sheet, when we got it, we knew it was good for Salmonella, E. coli, Fisteria, Listeria. We ended up on the MSDS sheet, didn't hurt people or animals. Well, I tried it on the horse, ended up making her eat and drink, ended up living. Um, from there, we tried it on some other things, and when, then we just started testing it because we couldn't believe it made her eat and drink like it did. Wow. That's really slick. And then we've been, I guess this is our 14th year being in business. Um, we've done a lot of studies now we've clinically proven to heal ulcers in horses in a 21 day period we've also done cortisol studies um and all of our studies we've done have been on horses in training so they were getting they were three-year-old race horses in training so, so they, it's not just one that's sitting in the no. stall and you're going in back and testing no, no, whether or not he he's having no and the best part was we were we we're able to maintain keeping the ulcers at bay by giving it when we ride them and we haul them when you stress huh. them 
So does it coat the stomach too, or yeah. is it more yeah. or less? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's really slick. That's but. really slick. Um, so being, so were there things that you learned from? Um, so were the things that like that you learned from like going through the hard knocks of you know rodeo and and that kind of stuff that like helped you as you were like moving into the business world of things and. Oh, yeah, because everyone thought I was crazy. I mean, I had a product. I told them, this will make your horse eat and drink. This will settle your horse down in the box. This will, you know, I mean, just everything we'd done with it. And you'd tell people they'd think you're crazy. Well, then next thing you know, they would try it. They'd have a horse colic, and it's it's the best standalone colic product I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. He's had to prove it to me a few different times. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's. But it, it has, I have a few of my own testimonies on it that it just. Yeah, you know it. So you've done so on on that on that business. You've done it without doing it by like mass advertising, and so I I well, see that I get it through my vet. Well, we started, um, you know, we start out. We we're small. We're small. We're we're still. I'd consider it's not a huge company, but we're dang sure, you know, not we're not there yet, but. Forever, it was just word of mouth. I mean, yeah. word of mouth what sold our product. You out of your truck. You know, you, had, you know, me rodeoing or get someone else to believe in it. Next thing you know, they're selling it. You know, every every salesman that I have on my team is, they're not salesmen. They're they're guys that use the product and yeah. couldn't believe what it did for them. And next thing you know, they're peddling it, you know. Yeah. And that's that's what we, that's kind of how our sales force became, you know. It was, I had to beg people to use it, you know, forever. I mean, yeah. it was... That's what it was. And now, you know, now we've, we advertise, we, we run a campaign on RFD TV, Cowboy Channel. Oh, we, really? You know, we were at the World Equestrian Center, you know, the one in Florida, the big yeah, one, the yeah. new one. And, I mean, we're, we're advertised there, you know, we're, we're getting to where we can afford to advertise more than not. Yeah. Um, occasionally, uh, they can ask questions. Oh, yeah. Cool. So if you guys have got any questions, so everybody that's just joined, um, I have Matt Zincanella and Clay Uri. 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 <laughs> so you pronounce the U as a U. U. Uri. Uri. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they are in town for the San Antonio Rodeo. And, um, and so we're just visiting with them on the Go Time podcast. And if you guys have any questions for these guys, um, you know, I, I, on the go time, I love talking about just like people's, like how you got to where you're at. You know, I think it's important for young people to be able to look out and go and just don't see somebody that's, you know, boom, successful. It's not overnight success. And then, and you know, that's the road to get to that, to that place. Um, and you know, and it's just, you know, my road too, you know, it's it. Had to bang my head against a lot of stuff and find a lot of you know what not to do. That's probably one of the biggest things is I had to learn a lot of what not to do, um, and I didn't have a lot of good examples of what not to do, so I had to go do them myself and sure. use everybody, let everybody else see them. <laughs> you know, I got a cool story about that. Going back just a little bit about saying that I grew up watching Zank at the NFR and thinking that was so cool. And yeah, getting this opportunity to help with them, and uh, I hit a wall this summer while we were. And we had a decent little summer, you know, just easing around. Not, yeah. not great, but decent. And uh, well, we we hit a wall, and I I hit a wall, and I talked about this last time with you, where Zank helped me with Skeeter and tied things together. And and I man, I tied things together, and 
went on, well, just because you've tied things together doesn't mean you're going to win. And, no. and we didn't win just instantly, you know, and like, and then we were in, I think, Bozeman, Montana. And I come across there and this, this steer takes off running, like beats me out of there, you know, and I come across there and I fed it, fed my rope to her and get it on her. And right when I turn her, she just pancakes herself and puts herself on her side. And I mean, Zank has no chance to catch him, but I, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, she just was wild acting and right. And I remember getting back to the truck and I was just so frustrated. Not, I was definitely not mad at my partner at all. And I was just like, man, why is this so hard? Like, cause we'd gone two weeks before where I was roping bad and I thought it was my horse's fault first. And then Zank was like, no, it's not your horse's fault. You got to do this. And and it, you know and i worked at it pretty hard for a couple of weeks and then i felt like i was doing my job and i'm just like i remember gripping the steering wheel so hard and he's like i'm like man like i'm sorry like i'm not trying to be i'm you know i'll bring you down or anything i'm just so frustrated and and this is where i advise anybody get with somebody that knows that's been there because mm -hmm. he just looked at me and he goes yeah this is a frustrating sport it is <laughs> And we we jumped out there the next morning in one second in the second round of Great Falls, Montana. We were five flat, and uh, which we didn't. Then we took a week off for your futurity, and we come back and we won Baker, Montana, second at Kalispell, and placed the Billings the next yeah. week. We won like seven or eight thousand that week. It was wow. just a just in three runs, you know, and it just shows you something about attitude and banging your head against the wall and mm -hmm. just just knowing hey you've been putting the work in it's going to come but just because you put the work in doesn't mean it's going to happen yeah just then you know it always seems like whenever you're you're you know in a low or in a valley you know like for me it was always i i tried to muscle my way out of it and in a sport where like where you guys are at you can't swing that rope like with the death grip on that i mean you you can't you everything has to be natural and free in order to it's like a golf swing right that it's just got to be natural and free and, and if you're thinking about and bringing something else in there into the box before you go like it's not gonna work i would imagine well the biggest thing is 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 any kind of sport or anything you do is if you can't control your mind mm -hmm. you know and the biggest thing that goes through you know competitors that compete is they can't remember what happened yeah I mean, yeah, and, that's usually, and, and that's usually people who are thinking about what they've got to do. You know, if you're thinking about, man, I need to make sure I pick my horse up here so he changes his lead and no. it's raining, you're going to have problems there. Yeah. You need to react. It's all reaction, you know, and that's why you practice and practice and practice so you learn how to react. When right. you get in that situation, it's not, your mind's not telling you when to throw it. Yeah, it's your way yeah, off if right. you have to go that's and right. think your way through you it. You know, and that's the biggest thing is teaching yourself how to, Clear your mind at the rodeo. You know, everyone can go to the practice pen and make it, make it every time. <laughs> Work. Yeah. No, it shouldn't. We didn't make it work this afternoon. We had one of them practices where you were grunting it out today. Yeah. But you need that. I think you need that. Yeah, for sure. It ain't gonna, it's not I need it. I personally need it. I get better when I have to ground it out a little bit. So you felt like your practice today, because I got to watch you guys practice a little bit today. Did y'all practice more after I left, or was that? We it? ran a few more. We ran a few, a few more. Um, so, what did, do you feel like you had? To, what part of your runs were were? Did you feel like you were having the hardest time? Curious. Because um, I got to watch it, so like I, I'm just curious yep. of what from what I saw and what you what you felt and did. 
Well, my run feels great once I, I I see my start and put it on. I don't worry about what Zank's up to. I got a pretty good idea where he's at, but I just um, I wasn't. I'm not with my horse. I wasn't with my horse. I'll be with my horse by tomorrow morning. But coming out of the box or the whole thing? Come from the start. Yeah. Scoring. Yeah. You scoring. feel like you were behind him, or like you were? We weren't on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Him and I were not on the same page. Yeah. I, as much as I was guessing, he was guessing. Oh, really? And so, and then I just leads through the run. I mean, the ones that worked on it was good, but, um, and that's not, I'm not putting that all on him. We just weren't all on the, No, I was curious because, like, we talked we, before, like in right? The summertime, in the summertime, we get in a mold, you know, and we're, we're going. Yeah. And right now, Skeeter and I just aren't on, I haven't been, and I told Zank this the other day, I just haven't been roping enough steers on him. You yeah. know, and, you know, I ride him, I keep him in shape, and he just needs, he doesn't need necessarily steers. I need, I told him that today when I picked him up at the airport, I need to run some steers on him. Uh -huh. He knows what's going on. I need to run some steers on him because he's not like these younger horses or practice horses I've been riding, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I just changed more. your timing <laughs> even more as you're yeah. working on helping instead yeah. of doing. Which, I mean, it wasn't a bad practice, I didn't think, but it was. It wasn't terrible at all. It wasn't, wasn't terrible just, at all. Wasn't just as sharp as we can be, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> we got to save that for tomorrow night. So that is true. That We're saving it. Yeah, you yeah. got to get them out of the way, too. Hey, well, so from what I saw on it, it was just, it was like when they, when you guys were on, it was, it was a pretty slick, it was a pretty slick run. And he, and like, and so that's the first time I've watched him, watched you work him. And, and I was just thinking when I, when I was watching you, I was thinking about what we talked about before about his personality because we were talking about like you know how do you train that because they all have that personality right and and I've got one at the house that is that he is such a I've told Clay before that he's he's a he's a just turned four and so but he's he is a he feels like a 13 year old you know boy that thinks the fart jokes are all funny and then gets offended if you raise your voice at him and you know and but he's super really athletic but it's hard to get his mind focused on and get aggressive like it's just how to get him to to bring himself to the top of it and so it's really kind of fun and frustrating to, to get him to like pull it all out right yeah um so i'm curious how many um so what's the horse you're riding He's a little done horse I bought in a feedlot in Hereford, Texas. Um, and he's just he's just good little good little horse, I guess. I wouldn't call him great by no means, but he's good transportation for me. No head in the way. He's real small. He's a little smaller than I'm used to riding. But yeah, he is. He's a little I, smaller. I uh, I like him. He's he's a good horse. He's not the best one I've ever had in my life, you know. But he, he's going to do. He's a good tool for right now. Yeah. Always looking for a better one. Yeah. And we raise a lot of horses too and I've I have me a nice mare at home that I've been having high hopes for. Hey, don't you have a pretty good stud? What what's his name? Oh, we raise we raise barrel horses. I guess <laughs> barrel and head horses, Lionshire fame. And and I think, you know, our horse is great, but the my wife, she starts all of our two year olds and that really I think enhances our horse deal a lot, is having her start them. I mean, when she starts them, they're awesome. They're broke. They're gentle. They're. She just it takes a lot of pride in it. But yeah, we we raise them, and like I said, I had me a nice mare that I really had high hopes for, and she's. I've been having heck keeping her sound. So yeah, trying to get that ironed out. But I really like the horses that I always got that were started by girls. Yeah. 
there's just something about oh they they like it yeah i mean when you, you when you go catch a horse in my opinion if you're you're training a horse and you can go catch him you're doing a good job training them yeah if they won't let you catch them pretty good chance you're not doing a very good <laughs> yeah. job training them yeah how are yeah. your horses catching right? I gotta use grain. <laughs> I got, their, their transportation for me, I I might leave him in the pen for a week and go get him out and go run fifteen on him. I'm not a, I guess. You're pulling a lot of directions these days. Yeah, I I, I don't have a lot of times to, to ride and rope, but um, shit, I I got a lot of things going on. So when I do get to rope, I ride a good one, and they might not be in shape like they should, but they still get it. <laughs> um, so. What's y'all's plans for this season? We're gonna we're gonna try to rodeo. We're gonna dang sure go rodeo. We're gonna rodeo smart. We're not gonna rodeo like crazy and drive all over the country. We're gonna try to make it make sense. So when we do win something, we actually have something when it's over. Yeah. You know, but um, hopefully go to the right ones and win at the right ones. Like here at San Antonio, if we could ding them for a good check, you know, get a few big checks and then go to our circuit rodeos up there and. Have a chance to make it would be cool. I'd like to make it one or two more times. I mean, I'm for fixed to be 46 years old. Ooh, old timer. You know, not not a, I guess not a, I guess not my full gigs roping. So I guess I've got to hope I go on the old veteran throw, no one to throw situation because yeah. my youth hand eye coordination just didn't like it used to be, but. It, Seems like if I can get my mind right, it I can still do it pretty good. I told Zank when I started roping with him, I said I'm getting the last little bit of good out of you. So I'd be fine. And I, I honestly, I mean, he still acts like a young little kid running around. So who knows? I, I mean, he, sure. he might end up retiring me. I, <laughs> it, he might be getting the last little bit of good out of me, and I haven't even got started yet. So we'll see know. how this goes. I don't know. Huh. I do take Zestera. <laughs> you take a little Zestera every day. Who knows how long That's you right. go. never know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we got to something we had talked about. I, you guys out there watching, we got the Royal Crown Rope Horse Fraternity and Barrel Fraternity in Buckeye, Arizona this week uh, coming up, the 13th mm. through the 20th. So we have a horse sale on the 19th. So if you're looking for a nice prospect or there's some nice rope horses, nice barrel horses in that sale, check it out so you so that's your sale yeah we and then you do the you run the that, like that's your futurity too yeah we started the royal crown last two years ago okay and the royal crown is a stallion incentive um we have 100 barrel stallions and we have 100 roping stallions the 100 barrel stallions pay 12,500 each stud they get their colts their offspring gets to go to the barrel racing or the roping fraternities we put on yeah so like in buckeye we've got 365,000 added at our event in Buckeye, nice. um, we. The so rope, how do you how do you categorize that? So is it just anybody? Um, is it like a judged roping, yep, or ours, is it ours? Is judge we we judged end time. Um, Clay's in fact Clay's one of my judges this next week on the in the roping fraternity. Um, he judged team my one, he judged my team roping fraternity in Rock Springs. Did a great job. We're excited that Rock Springs was our first one we did. It was it went off big. Um, and we didn't have very many rope studs, so now we've got we're inching in on 90 studs that we've got in our roping program. The barrel side's full. It's like last year in Rock Springs, we had 600,000 added in our barrel studs, right? Yeah. And 
Yeah, so we get it's turned into a real big deal in the roping fraternities. We have a an event in Buckeye, Arizona this next week, and then we have one in Waco, Texas in May, and then we do one in Rock Springs in August. Rock Springs, Wyoming. So the fraternity is is only is four year olds. No, we have a our roping fraternity is a four year old. We have four year old only. We okay. have thirty thousand aside with a ten thousand dollar limited. So guys that are six plus header and seven plus healer and under are eligible for our limited pots. Um, and then we also have a five and six year old, um, I guess we call it a, a derby. Yeah. And it's um, it's got 30,000 aside, $10,000 added to limited. And then we have a seven and eight year old maturity that's f a seven and eight year olds, 5,000 added, but they have to be Royal Crown horses. so. The Colts' dad has to be in the program. So it has to be out of a sire that's yep, sire, one, of the, one yep. of the sires. One of the sires that's in the program. Huh. And then we have a barrel. We have a fraternity, barrel fraternity, which our barrel fraternity is four and five year olds. Mm -hmm. And then we have a, a derby uh, that's six and uh, six and seven year olds. Hmm, that's cool. You know, the um, that's been one of the you know the tough parts about the reigning futurities and doing the reigning futurities is you know we're running three-year-olds and the you know what all we ask for those three-year-olds it takes a pretty special individual to be able to do all the stuff that we get our three-year-olds to do and to be able to handle at that time and there's so many of them that come out of there that you know are, are really really well-trained horses and you know but we have derbies we have derbies of four five six and seven so now we actually added seven-year-olds to some of the derbies which has added some longevity to them and added you know actually added a lot of value to some of our older horses that we you know we actually you know when they're out of the money to be able to go and do it then the money drops on them yeah. um and um but i think the reigning is is going to be losing a lot too because the there's a lot of people putting money up and and, and being able to come in and buy some of those but you controlling that by having it out of your nominated studs makes a difference. Yeah, huh? where that, I mean, it's it's obviously gonna, you know, make it a smaller brand of horses that can yeah. be there. You know, so it, you know, but don't get me wrong. I mean, it's like you still get your Trevor Brazils and your Andy Holcombs and Trevor who? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Dang, you know, and oh, you felt like you're pretty good walking in there until all of a sudden Trevor pulls up with several of them. <laughs> well, and you and you watch his watch his horses work. I mean, he's they operate. I mean, he, he wins like robots. Yeah. He doesn't win because he's Trevor Zill. I've I've judged one of them and and uh, <laughs> I mean, you that's a pretty impressive individual. Yeah, you can't pick him apart enough. You can't pick him apart. No. I mean, you you can be a judge and be hard as you want. No. But, I mean, when his you, horses work like well, robots, and, and you, you and, judge the horse, you don't yeah. judge who's on them. And when it's the best horse, it doesn't surprise you that the best guy's riding them. That's right. And I mean, he's yeah. got a he's got a hell of a program. You know, him and Miles Baker, they do it right. Did we go offline there? Um, I don't think so. I was. Oh no, his computer closed, so I can't tell. Um, Beer time. <laughs> it might be we might be recording all night long who knows <laughs> has it has it got any questions come up on there uh, no questions so for any of you that kind of come in um on the later part this is the go time podcast um free roam and we are um we are airing live on free roam 
at the Free Roam Brewery in Bernie, Texas. Yep. Great um, IPA, guys. Great. Yeah. Come check it out. If you're in Bernie, Texas, you need to check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm here. Might have to go. I might have to go. You get might it. have to take a break and go. Yeah, I don't know if the. the Do we need to get the computer logged on? Or are we still going? Um, is Jeremy still in here? I don't think we're still recording. Yeah. We're okay. Do you mind walking out there? Do you mind walking out there and see? Grab Jeremy's out there to ask him to come in. I'll take one more. Um, and we'll see if you guys have questions. Um, with uh, for for any of the guys. Um, Real free to chime in. Um, this is our first live uh, podcast. We will be later coming up um, later. I guess probably next week. I think um, we've got um, Jackie Crawford uh, is going to stop by. That'll be kind of fun. Um, she's got plenty of tracker. She's got a record. She's got yeah. She's she knows a thing or two. Yeah, she knows huh? she knows how to get one around the neck. And, um, yeah, I didn't know what the screen, I just want to make sure it was, yes. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, and, uh, and I think we're supposed to, like, I think Fred Whitfield is going to stop by too. Um, he dang sure knows what he's talking about too. Yeah. He's won, he's won a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about winning them two ought to be able to tell you how to win something. Well, and I think that the, the fun thing for me is to be able to find out about, you know, the tough times too. I mean, you know, um, out of the, you know, the one world champion each year in your category, there's, you know, a couple hundred that are running down the road that are, that are not, but it's, um, I mean, there's so much cool stuff behind it. Competition brings out, so it, it really brings out in such a mirror of life. I think that's the, probably the thing that I love the most about competition period is that it really just kind of it talks about life you know it, it's the you know it's it's learning how to persevere through you know you get to the top or you get close to the top or you get some success and you get a taste of the success you know I'm, there's there's still plenty that i would really like to accomplish you know over and that i didn't feel like i got the full you know uh benefit of or got certain horses to the top of what that could get them to do and yeah. stuff but um but man i learned like i loved learning a lot from all of the horses you know there was one um there was one that i uh one of the very first ones that i got in training or that i got a client that finally come up with you know they had some money to be able to go and like hey let's go buy us a really good one right and i'm like all right man let's go and 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 so i instead of going and picking a really young one to do fraternities with i went ahead and looked looked in for some of the derby horses because i wanted something that had at least some experience right and um and there was one that i ended up getting and he was, man, he was a really cool show horse, right? And he wasn't like the one that, you know, was the best for the top guys, but he was like a tier below. And, um, and, and he was trained by an, a really a top trainer. I'm like one of the best, right? And um, I learned, I, I you know, went up and rode with the guy too, right? And, and he told me and gave me a few things and tips and pointers and whatever else. I learned more f about him and his training through that horse than I ever did from just sitting and, and talking to him. Like being able to ride behind him, that horse would, you know, he would tell you exactly what he's doing. If I'd pull it off and try to make something, man, I'd mess it up and I'd have to go back and put it back together because there was a part that was in there that really, really helped me in competition. But I did, I'd never reached that level 
you almost have to get to that level for yourself to understand what's needed, right? What I didn't understand as a horse trainer earlier on was that, you know, how are you to know how to finish a horse if you don't know what you need in a finished horse? You know, like you almost have to ride a finished horse to go, oh, well, it sure would be nice to put that on one, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think it's cool, like with you, this, with you guys as a team, you know, him, he's got the talent and he's got the drive and he's got a work ethic and he's got all those things. But man, to have the guidance, I mean, imagine how hard it would be running and, and more pitfalls to fall in. Not that he's not going to, you know, have one or two here and there, but to not, to, to not be running with another, you know, 25 year old, that would be like really, really hard. Both of you just, you know, running and making all the mistakes each other and everything else. I've done that most of my career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, and, and that probably made, you know, some, for some difficulty because you don't have each other to support each other. Cause you don't have enough experience between the two of you. That would be difficult. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have, I mean, I, when I rodeoed, when I was coming up, I had, guys like chance kelton he was young at the time that was my one of my first partners and then i had guys like d pickett i rope with d pickett i rope wow. with dave Motes. i rope with mike booth I, I mean i rope with guys that that had been there done it you yeah know? and i and the things that i learned from them is is if you don't learn how to win lose and be able to control your emotions you're never going to be able to learn how to win. Keep trying. Oh, man. You better, you know, figure out how to get it. You know, the biggest thing with rodeoing is, you know, everyone's broke. I mean, <laughs> bottom line is a lot of people are broke when they rodeo. You know, it's, it's you got to be, you got to be not afraid. You got to be not afraid to be broke, you know, and that's, that's the sad part about rodeo is you see guys that, that are world champions and they're, they're, they do been successful as heck at rodeo and it, thing that's sad about rodeo is it's a dream it's it's your dream it's not yeah. like talking to the guy that owns free roam right here you know he's a professional baseball baseball player, baseball player. player yeah but he he's got he when he's done ba playing baseball he has he's got money you yeah. can tell he's started him a brewery here thing about rodeoing is you might have 10 gold buckles but when you're done rodeoing what you're do you done. do yeah you know you're like i'm at i'm in father time right now 45 years old i mean i'd you just, you just don't go on much. I mean, you had guys like Al Bach, Cleo, Brian Cooper, guys like that that they outlasted. You know, they, they went into their 55, 60 years old, and they're still competitive, you know. so. But the biggest thing is is when you're done is having something you can go do. You know, that's, that's a tough having thing. Having something to do while yeah, you're doing it, too. That's right. You got to – you know, a lot of guys, they put everything into rodeo, in which that's what you got to do if you want to be at the top of the game. Right. I mean – when I rodeoed, I'm not gonna lie. I'd, I'd trade horses. I, I had to do whatever I could to make a dollar so I could keep going. You mm -hmm. know, and I used to catch a little grief from guys. God damn, you're out here trading horses and shit. If you just think about healing, you'd be a lot better off, you know, or whatever. But the bottom line was, I had to figure out how to make money some other ways, and it was trading horses and buying head horses and and one of my goals in my whole career was trying to have head horses you know because i always said if you got a great head horse you got a great header you know and so yeah. i that was kind of my deal and i'd haul one around and hopefully it was good enough someone wanted to buy you know and i'd cash that horse in and i'd start getting me a little money to keep going pay my credit cards off and roll yeah. on but yeah anyway, that's you know. um i think that's something that most people don't get about like for me, and, and it takes a lot, 
Um, for as 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 a guy who uh, who trains horses for a living, when you're when you're training horses for a living, you are um, you you can't just be a trainer. I mean, if you get just a trainer, then and, and you just want and a lot of that's what all of us really want to do. I just I just want to be out there riding horses. I don't want to, have to deal with clients. I don't want to, have to do billing. I don't want to, have to I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't want to, have to answer the phone. I just want to go ride horses. That's what I'm really good at. And it's what I want. You know, just let me go do that. And but you you can't. You got to be. You're you are the you know you're the finance guy. You're you're the guy that's in charge of advertising. You're you're also the guy that promotes. You're the guy who talks to the clients and convinces people to buy more horses. So you're the guy that you know. You have to be the showman. You have to be the coach. You're coaching the non pros. I mean you're. You're literally a jack of all trades. You are learning to be, you know, a little bit of everything. Well, you know, for sure. yeah, and that's what makes you it guys all have together. to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's the. <laughs> and crazy. Then we got to learn how to be teammates too, with no coach. That's <laughs> well, the other thing about our sport. Like a marriage, no coach. A bit relevant when someone's like a marriage a little bit. You know, like you got to get along. Yeah, you say I'm the hot along. young wife. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got the hot young one. You got you got a hot young one. You're not a hot young one. I mean, shit. But you can drive. He drives. All we gotta do is make sure we get a nap every day. That I need. I do need a nap. <laughs> I do need a nap. At twenty minutes. I when I started rope Mustang, it was just out of fluke, and I I guess I've just rode you long enough that I'm not just a rookie, you know, and. uh the first couple of weeks we went, we were just leaving his house and like day tripping it. And I never had to drive and I did pretty good, you know, and first time I drove, I missed and I got back to the truck and I was mad. I was mad at myself, but when I got, you know, it was a little bit back there and him and his wife, Sarah's right. Wife runs the barrels at most of the rodeos we go to. And I told him, I went, guys, you know, I am mad at myself for this, but I miss every time I drive. <laughs> And he's veteran enough. He didn't let me skate by on that for too long. But <laughs> until midnight, one o'clock. Yeah, I need a nap every. Good at midnight, least I, I got him convinced. I need a nap every now and then. <laughs> then I can head steer good. So yeah, I kind of like a nap during the middle of the day, especially during the summertime. I get in trouble. The wife tries to chase me out of the house, but I always got to have me a little bit yeah. after I eat lunch. Well, we're yeah. burning the road down. We're we're 20, pretty good 30 for minutes. each other. Doesn't hurt anything. No, yeah. I no. love it. Not at all. Um, so, so I'm curious, like how, so when you started out, um, with the business on the side doing the Zestera, so did you, um, did you like the business side of things? Was that, a, was that a difficult thing to kind of figure out and go through? I mean, it's uh, one thing to sell and sell it for the next trip down the road, but I mean, to I, figure out the whole business end of things. Well, I happen to have a partner that. The, at the time, my partner, he was really big into business. He had every business coach in the country and read every business book there was to read. and So he had the business end of it, like all our licensing and everything set up. And my my job was just to sell, you know. And oh. then I ended up buying him out, I guess it's been four years ago. And our business was pretty much set up. So I guess now I just run it. I mean, so I've... We've got about 700 stores that carry our product. Uh, or I guess I've got 15 or 15 and 17 employees that we employ, and we own our own lick tub plant in Merrill, Oregon. Um, we also 
partner with a tub plant there in Alexandria, South Dakota. Huh. And I just, um, I guess, just learned how to, I guess, taking the business over and, and running it was is something I guess I call it. You got to be a leader, and I've always ran my business, I guess, like I when I was rodeoing, I guess I was broke. I try to keep it like I'm broke, yeah. you know, no matter what, and not overspend. And I don't, I guess I don't make the hundred and fifty thousand a year salary like most guys that own companies. But I've ran it just like I kind of run my life. Is I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll gamble. I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll advertise on RFD TV for a couple hundred thousand a year, whatever it is. But the bottom line is, it's trying to make the decisions that's going to better your business and yeah and same thing with rodeo and you know when you're rodeo and you're always trying to find a better horse or or a better partner you know just trying to trying to better what you've got going on yeah and the same thing kind of that's a method i went with business is try to run it like it i'm i don't have a lot of money and and it seemed as it's worked so far and there's got to be a part of it too that is um is like there's got to be a confidence. I I remember Clay telling me one time about what the what the heck, what were we talking about? We were talking about something, and um, and and I I said I asked something about his his roping or something, and he goes he looked at me and I don't know if you remember, but he looked at me and he goes, well I am one of the best in the world, <laughs> and 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 but you know there's a difference between cocky and and believing in yourself too. And to be able to believe in yourself enough and get some experience in that, you know, like to be able to transfer that into the business that, you know, if somebody tells you, you know, like, well, you can't do that or that's not going to like you believe in your product enough well, that that's, that's that, a, that's a salesman's dream is to sell something that they believe in. That's the only way it's made it. I mean, when I told someone I come from the heart because I seen what it did for myself, you know, and, and the other thing is, is, the reason I made it as far as I did is I didn't have to hide the next time I saw the guy. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, my God, what's this guy going to tell me when he walks up here? Oh, I would man. hate to sell a product that you had to do that. Yeah, and, and exactly. The, what's been so cool about Zestera is someone walks up to you to tell you what it did for them. Yeah. yeah I'll tell you that. I was at the at South Point roping at the World Series this fall, mm -hmm. and I went up there just to see Zank. Because he's my team rope partner, you know. But I yeah. was there roping, healing, and the number roping. And I was up there, and I said hello to him. A guy come up and said, hey, Zang, you know, whatever. And they're talking. And I was talking to somebody else, and I just overheard the conversation. The guy said, I've been using your cattle product, and it's cut my medical bills in half. Wow. And that's and yeah, I mean that's that a thing. I yeah. said, man, that's great, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I wish I had a video, live video that's, at Las that's, Vegas. Yeah, know, that's for the people that walk up and says what it says what's done for them. You really? Know? So it's my wife said. My wife goes, or Zank goes, yeah, I need to vi be videoing this. And my, my wife goes, you can't just video people without their permission. <laughs> <laughs> and Zank goes, oh yeah, yeah, that oh, would yeah, be bad. That, there's that part too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the only reason it's made it. Yeah, what you got? Um, Kit Kat asked, where's a good start in the, in the horse industry for a team? Where's a good – man. Go right, so I love it. I got some yeah. teens that are asking questions on what – so this is what we were talking about before that, you know, there's there's a big interest in you guys. And so if uh, – and the young people have want to know how to get started with it, right? Um, so what would you – what would your suggestion if you're wanting to get started, she said, with horses? 
What I would in do is industry. I would go find someone in your area that is a trainer that rides a lot, that, that does a lot of it, and see if you can get a job helping them, you know. Yep. You know, get a job cleaning stalls. You might be the stall girl or the whatever for a while, but you keep showing up. And you keep showing that you're interested and, and you want to ride them. And next thing you know, they'll have you riding them. And then you, it'll lead from there. The biggest thing is finding someone in your area that you can get a job with. And if it is cleaning stalls and leading studs yep. to whatever, go do it. Because yeah. it's going to lead you to someone and that's, the that's best. in the business. You know, if you want to be a horse person, it's it's matter. Just go get around the right people. And, and sometimes it's knowing... You, you're not going to know if it's somebody really good unless you go there. And it's not bad sometimes to find out who's not good, you know, yep. and, and don't be afraid. Go with your gut. If you go there and you don't like the way that things are done or it's not the kind of, yeah. you know, environment you want, go to the next one. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a deal. We call in the horse show horse industry is earning your spurs. And so yep. nobody's going to give you a pair of spurs and say, hop on. We're going to show you how to be a trainer. You don't get to just ride the finished ones. No, no. And and you're going to work your way up for it. And and there, all all of us have done it. All of us have gone and earned our way of, to get to that point. And I think it's important for you to realize and understand that it takes a long, long time to get there. It'll seem like a long time, but if you're doing it because it's something that you love to do, the hours are not a problem. That's the thing I was going to add. That's That's the thing I was going to add to that. Anybody, if you show up and all you get is a job as a stall cleaner, if you show some heart and enthusiasm to it, you will move up very fast. (laughs) Yeah. You know, people love to give opportunities if you're willing to take it. Yeah. And my wife, she's she's a prime example of that. She grew up in San Juan Capistrano. Nah, I think it's all right. You this know, showed fine. up in San or lived in San Juan Capistrano, so she just went and started helping people. Next thing you know, she's working for Angel Crossweight, which was a great, you know, horseman in California. And yeah. she was a stall girl, exercise, whatever it was, you know, and then for long she started right getting right the better ones and, and she came from a complete city girl to she's a horseman. Ah, you know, she I is a horseman around. I love to hear that. So, so, and for you to understand too, for the young people to understand too, uh, that. So, I've been training horses now for twenty plus years, and um, and 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 it's funny for me to see sometimes my kids look and see that I'm I ride horses all the time, and so Dad walks outside and he goes and trains horses, but they didn't see those years of me riding all the junk and doing all the things that I had to do in order to work it up, work up to that point. But the craziest part for me on my journey was I took my first riding lesson when I was 21. That is crazy. That, <laughs> that is, is crazy, crazy about yeah. Todd that people don't realize yeah. this yeah. guy didn't ride or grow up riding. No. So I grew up, um, my, my, uh, Oh, that was the button. Okay. Um, I, I grew up, um, my dad was a computer repairman and, 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 and we had a horse in the backyard. We didn't know what we were doing with him. I got on old Billy and Billy would throw me off or run me into a fence or whatever he tried to do. And, and, um, and my mom was a bookkeeper. No, we didn't know anything about horses. I liked them. I, I knew I, and I was in, wasn't until college that I took a horse, a horse management course and got a taste of horses, but 
I took my first riding lesson when I was 21 because I was running around with a bunch of guys that, you know, that roped in college. And I thought, and they all had girlfriends and I didn't. So I thought, shoot, I maybe I'll. need help. Yeah, I need all the yeah. help I can get. And a horse always helps. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I took my first riding lesson and the guy just happened to be down the road that I took a lesson from trained reining horses. The horse they, helped you too with your girl. No, didn't it? Then. But, See, we need help. The, horse. So guys need help. Oh, Sometimes man, horses help. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, his makes him money. Mine, yeah, she's. He's handy. got the greatest wife ever. <laughs> she breaks all his colts. Oh, yeah. yeah. She starts all our two year olds. Well, Kristen Zankanella needs a shout yeah, out right here. For sure. <laughs> Big for time. Sure. Good. She uh, makes our, my, my ranch go. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, I and they, you know what the best part is, too? All her colts like her. Oh, all of them. Oh, all of her colts like her. That says a lot about a person oh, if all your colts like you. Yeah, when they when you can go take one that's never been caught hardly, and by the second time you touch him, she can go catch him about anywhere. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Then you know that, that, and that's that's something that you can't. No matter how many books you read, no matter how many times somebody tells you or whatever else, you learn through experience and you learn through. Got to be but, in. You got to have it. But yeah, I'll tell you what. You got to have that books too. Books and move or shows. I mean, you know, you got a bunch of guys out there. They're famous horsemen. Oh. That yeah. have hours of different videos to watch. I mean, yeah. don't get me. I, I mean, if you want to be a horseman too, talking to the teen girl. I mean. You got it all at your fingertips. I mean, when yeah. Todd and I started, a lot you more know, riding out and there. Clay. I mean, we didn't have. I didn't have internet. I had I more get than on you guys did. Google, yeah. get on and Google. You know, um, Clinton Anderson, you know Clinton Anderson or Chris Cox or any of them, and get all the stuff they teach. You can get a good solid start on a lot of stuff, oh, and at least on YouTube. At yeah. least a concept. YouTube it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a whole lot of what not to do on YouTube also, but 100%. but you know, it's part of that. Finding out what not to do. Well, you Sometimes learn, you learn what you like. Yeah. You learn what you like. Everyone's got a little different style yeah. about going about it, you know. And yeah. And how are you ever going to know the right way if you don't walk down three or four different wrong ways? Well, oh, exactly. And you know. trying it on your own. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, a lot of try and effort. That, that's what I'll say. A lot of try and effort. It's practicing. Yep. It's and just like, understand, too, that um, to get to that point, there's a lot of failure. The biggest part about it is there's just not one that quits. Mm -hmm. That if you like it enough, that if it's what you really, really love to do, you know, it's the, the, the old adage that uh, I never worked a day in my life is, you know, once I figured out what I wanted to do, like it's, yeah, you know, I don't really ever work. Yeah. I feel that same way about great horses too. Oh man. People that love horses keep working at it and great horses seem like they just figure it out. Oh you man. Know? There really is. There's really something about a great horse and, and very few, really very few people get to ride. Zank has one that we need to hear about. Which one? Candy man. Oh yeah, he was he was great. He's crazy great. I, mean, well, I bought him off the racetrack. Yeah, tell he, us the story. He uh, when we got him, he was you know, the guy said he was there was crippled or whatever. My dad was a vet on the racetrack at the time, so he went through and he said, you know, this this horse will be fine. Needs some time off, so we bought him, put him out, time off. I rode this sucker for a couple years. I mean, he dusted me more times than I know. I mean, and tried everything. He was a weird dude and. I fought it. I mean, we fought it day and day and night. You know, every time we rode, we had some different issue we had. It was just something else. And then he colicked, and he had colic surgery. <clears throat> and I didn't get to ride him for eight months. 
Mm. And when I came back, it was like I had a robot. Really? Like the eight months off. Just and when I brought settle. him back, it was I had a robot. I mean, literally a robot. Wherever mm. the steer's ass went, he went. And he could he could run like the wind. I mean, he. I never kicked, I never kicked in my whole career when I rode him, but huh. a bad horseshoe and got him at an early age. So I had happened to have some great friends. Um, in fact, they own best ever pads now. Ryan White, um, his father-in-law, um, Lanny West, was the only guy that could keep him sound. So I gave him to him, huh. and I got to ride him at one more NFR. Um, the first year I made it, I got to ride him, but he was. He was unbelievable, but it was not a easy task, and I tried a lot of different things, and it was just when once it clicked, it was like I it had to there. unbelievable. Yeah, that was there fun. Um, there was a horse once that earlier on in my career that um, I was teaching to. It was in Appaloosa, and um, and and usually the apps they are they're they're and this is being generalized on it, but they'll stop. They're, they can be pretty good stoppers, but turning wasn't usually their best attribute, right? It would take a lot of training to train. You had to train one to turn. It's easy to get one to stop. It doesn't want to leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and they and and so these guys, this one in particular, um, I I've been training on, and and you know, I was pushing things really hard, you know, and I was, and you could tell he was he. I drilled him a lot on the spin, right? And I've been drilling, drilling, drilling. And I'd been doing it for a while, and I thought, you know what? He just needs – I'm just going to turn him out today. I'm just going to let him kind of go and just, you know, run around a little bit. And I had a little smaller turnout that I could put him in and, and like a little hack, half acre, you know, lot that I could throw him out in and let him just going to run around. I kid you not, I turned that thing loose by the gate, and he just kind of like moseyed out to the middle of that, um, that little pasture, stopped, and that fool worked on his spin. I am not kidding you one bit. He stood there and pivoted and worked on his step, on his spin by himself. I had never seen, I haven't seen one since that did that, and the only one that ever did do that. But he sat out there, and, and it, it was, well, the crazy part about it was that it made me realize how neurotic I was making him about, you know, what I was asking him to do. And he was one of those ones that just, you know, he was trying, and it was a big thing. It was an eye-opener for me to realize, like, how much he was trying. And if I just backed off and let him kind of figure it out a little bit, he, he would figure it out. That, that was a pretty cool deal on that one. But that was an odd one, you know. That freak. Opened, yeah, You're freak. And he opened my eyes up to, like, you, you know, they actually do want to sometimes, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. A yeah. lot of them are thinking more than we give them credit for. That's right. Oh, they are. Um, I think that's something that takes a while for for a that takes a while for a rider to understand is um, the feel of things, right? Until you start to open your hands up and let go of the grip of those of those reins do you really start to find the feel of one trying you can't feel the try when you kind of you know when choke you hold. Well, yeah when yes. you choke hold yeah, on them yeah, yeah. yeah um i heard it explained one time i had i was reading a, a sports psychology book on um on uh golf because you know there's not a lot of sports psychology books out there in in the realm of horses at all you know yeah and so i was reading this one on it it was talking about a golf swing Right. And they were talking about that an optimal grip on a golf swing was if 
like one was the club's going to fly out of your hands and 10 was you're putting a dent in the in the golf club that an optimal grip is like a number three like a three maybe four right to be able to swing free and be able to be consistent and get out of your head and be able to you know swing through and, and they call it swing free or whatever um so i i thought about that when i'm when i'm riding at the house and stuff my hand was being a, like a three, but whenever I would go to the show pen, it's one of the things they were explaining about it was that, you know, the adrenaline starts going. Blacking out. Yeah, and <laughs> and you and 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 then your your blood leaves your extremities. It goes to your big muscles and make you run right and to save your life if you know you're in danger or whatever it was. But but leaving your extremities, that what it ended up doing was it ended up losing feel in your hands mm -hmm. because you don't have the blood flow and so your hands your fingers are less feel less what you think is a grip of three is now seven right and you don't even know it and to add more complication to it because that's a golf swing but to add more complication to it whenever i'm doing it with a horse i start gripping that horse his mouth mm -hmm. it's doing the same thing to him he doesn't need to have the blood flow going to his mouth and all of a sudden he gets heightened up yep. so it's a doubling down on the stiff and so when i pick my hands up i feel like he's stiffer and i'm having to you know check on him or bump and then that's sending him up and he's losing them feeling the mouth then all of a sudden my grip is way out of whack and just to recognize that and go in and open my hand up before I go and show and make it lighter to where I had to feel it. You know, before I recognized or even knew that it was happening, it made a huge difference for me once I could go in there and then show lighter, slowed my hands down and everything else. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And a lot of times when you go compete, you're thinking about everything you need to do. Oh, you're always yeah. thinking about it. And if you're thinking about it, you're you're behind you're behind the you're behind the ball. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if you're showing a Raining horse, a roping horse, whatever. No. And, you know, it's something, it's one thing if you're doing something like an inanimate object, like a golf club. But then if you're working something that, you know, you're, you have so many variables in team roping mm -hmm. that you and your partner, both of your horses, the steer that's got his own mind about what he's doing and the horse reacting to the steer or reacting to you. Like there's so many variables in there. That three, three animals and two idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. Yeah, oh, it's so true. That's right. It's so true. That's something I noticed about Clay was that whenever he's going, like how much he's not holding and directing with that, like that, you know, to see the different level mm -hmm. of, of horsemanship at that level is, is really, that was, that's been fun to, to experience and watch too. Do you watch a lot of, you, you read a lot of different um, sports psychology books? I read some, yeah, you I try to. Like, like Red Mind Gym or? No, I haven't read that Mind one. Mind Gym's a good one. Yeah? Yep, I've read that. I've read Mind Gym, and then I can't remember the other one. I, I had two of them I used to put on the radio, and I'd listen to them for hours mm. driving down the road, you know, and just – and, you know, I think that's the biggest thing to win in is learning how to control your mind, you know, like looking at guys like Trevor Brazil or, yeah, you know, these guys that have gold buckles, 10 of them, 12 of them, 5 of them, 3 of them, whatever it 20 is. 20 of them, yeah. It's – you take your hat off to how much mind control they have. Yeah. And is how much consistency is built into it? Well, and that's due to the mind control. It's right. Due to, like, I mean, you go you go to the practice pen, practicing is easy. Yeah. It's a guy that can translate the practice pen to the rodeo. See, I want, yeah. I want to float something here and see your guys' opinion right. on it. All right. So I call it my state of nothingness. Yeah. 
when I'm compete, it's my state of nothingness and everything is just, I'm in the moment, you know, and everything's just there. Yeah. So what I mean? So when you, when does that shut, when do you shut that off? Do you shut that off when you're entering the Coliseum or do you shut that off when you're in the box? It's a work in progress. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like when I won the Canadian title, it was all, it seemed like it lasted a week. It was the coolest week of my life. I was just in a state of. It worked. Things just happened, and I just see things, and I just it just happened, you know. And it was uh, you react. And then the other day, I was in Rapid City in the slack, and I mean, my lungs were tight, and I was like, yeah, you know. And I, I mean, I, I get my team around partner. You want me in a better state than that? But you know, I was it trying happens. to get myself in a good state before I nodded. But like, it's just, and what we do, you don't, you don't just get it. You no. know what I mean? Like you got to they call your name and you're up. Yeah. Like you don't get to say, Hey, I'm not quite ready yet. And you got like, Bob telling yeah. this Clay Hillary, the world champion, Canadian <laughs> world champion. Roman I would love to tell you when I'm, I'm trying to shut it off all the time. I love to live in a state of nothing, yeah. but I don't live there. So one thing that I, that was really cool. in one of the other podcasts that I did, I did it with, um, with, uh, Bill Rogers, who's, uh, it was 1981. Um, cool PGA, guy. PGA cool golf, podcast. Yeah, PGA Golfer of the Year, right? Uh, it really won seven, uh, seven PGA, seven, wow. seven in one year, wow. right? I mean, like to most guys, you know, you win one and it's like almost makes your whole career. Like seven in one year, right? Yeah, he, he was a badass. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he knew yeah, it. and I think you're like it was a big year, right? One of the things that he that I learned from him was that that they. He didn't necessarily practice being in the zone. He practiced resetting. Like it was important for them to reset between each swing. Like each each that's, swing. Well, that's just like that's what I loved yeah. about that. Okay, so you're coming to the same hole you go to every year, and you always hit it left. And yeah. he goes, rather than think about it or think about the game, he goes, why don't I just try something different? And I was driving home from Rapid City in Bismarck, where I've been unsuccessful last weekend. And I was thinking about that, and I've now been to Rapid City two years in a row, felt tight. It's an early rodeo in the year, you know, and I broke the barrier both times. One time I was riding Dylan, one time I'm riding Skeeter. I'm riding fast head horses. Why am I breaking the barrier? That is dumb. That is dumb. Hmm. You know, change the game. Hey, just get out of the barrier and see how fast. And, you know, when I do that, success Take happens. care of one thing first exactly. and then worry about the next. Exactly. Yeah. You said you got a question? Uh, Yeah. So, this is Clay Ulrey. Sorry, I said that one. Uh, it says, this is Cooper from Clay's Facebook account. But I got a question. That's Clay, my little brother. He also runs my account, so he's ah, just giving us a... All right. Clay, what's your favorite thing about Zach? Is that how you say it? Zank. Zank. That he does healing for you, and the same question for Zank about Clay. Oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's that is good. <laughs> so, my, fav- my favorite thing about Zank is uh you know uh i gotta make this pg but uh you can't be a pansy you know you gotta go you got you got to try week in and week out because what we do in the middle of the summertime man you feel crushed and defeated and you cannot quit trying because there's so much money out there to be won 
you know, and, and you might go to five, six, seven, eight rodeos in one week and not win very much. And, but you could win 20,000 the next week and things can, and that, that's the greatest thing I appreciate about Zank is that. Well, what I appreciate in Clay is I might be on a business meeting in Moses Lake, Washington, <laughs> three teams before we're up and he still keeps it together. Most guys would get back to it. God damn, you're head in the game. Well, you know what? I'm better off if I am on a business meeting when they're calling my name because then just like Clay's saying, there's nothing. I'm thinking about, I won't even say it, but something that just happened to me on the phone and, and, and then the next thing you know, the steer turns out healing. So getting in the rig with someone who understands my deal is I rodeo and I, I give it 100%. Don't get me wrong, but I've got a lot more to my in my career now, I mean, I got businesses. I got people that call me every day. I'm on my phone nonstop, and Clay Eulery knows that when I back in there, I'm still giving it 110%, and not many guys would get that, you know, but he does. I mean, Zank, to go on farther than that, Zank and I both, and I want to make this clear when I back in there, I'm trying – my ever living guts out you know <laughs> but uh, there's more to life than rodeo and competition that's and right i think yeah. todd would agree with that that's and that's uh you have to have that perspective right you know, if you don't if you think that that's it then you're gonna get you're gonna crush yourself i mean yeah. and zank's got a lot more he you know obviously ahead of me in life he's got more going on but you know and i talk to my wife about this all the time whether i win or lose or not at a particular rodeo it does not matter yeah. You know what, and and she supports me, and I'm I'm trying my my best, and and we're gonna come, we're gonna go at this in combat form, yeah. where we are ready right. and we're ready to win, and we're gonna try to win, but that doesn't mean you're gonna win every time. You're not gonna win every battle, no. and you know you have to have other things going on in life. You cannot just expect to go hey i'm going to this rodeo and i'm going to win first mm -hmm. i mean that's setting yourself up for failure and you're going to feel like a loser forever you know the some, <laughs> one thing that i've learned from all the guys that i've i've gotten to interview and i really is probably one of the things that i really enjoy the most about it is is hearing you know some of the lows and you know where they were struggling through and whatever else and not not any of them have have they said they would forego those tough times yeah. right because it, it's what forms you and what makes you mm -hmm. but it's also that it, when they went through those tough times they remember the reason or the love they have for what they're doing right I, when you lose that that idea that, that you forget that you you love what you're doing yeah. that's when it becomes the you know it's silly. It's silly sometimes that we even look at it and go like, oh, it's such a hard, like, oh, my God, you know how many people would just die for to, to, to swap ends with you on it? And you can't forget that, right? Oh. You can't forget the, the luck that, or the, the luck or the, the, the chance or the, you know, the opportunity that you have to actually be able to get to live and do what you're doing. I wouldn't change nothing I've done in my life for nothing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I took the wrong path a few times, but that wrong path took me to a, Learning how to do right, you know, learning yeah. how, learning how not to say, like I said earlier, well in a boggle, you know, and 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 rodeoing and life and everything has to do with highs and lows. 
Yeah. I mean, highs and lows are, are the biggest thing that we deal with every day. And marriage, it's marriage. Within well, raising yeah. kids. Well, I mean, like the yeah. whole deal. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, and you as your parent, I mean, you ask yourself, are you being a good parent? Are you doing a good job? You know, that's the hardest thing that I've done in my life is be a parent. Yeah, gum. I've screwed that up on the regular. Well, I think sometimes I do too, but I try my down. You think sometimes? To. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, just, you know, making sure that your kids are, are versed enough when, when they're out on their own, yeah. you know, you know, that they're, you know, they're going to do right. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, and I think one of the hardest things as a parent, um, and, and I think that I've gotten this from the horses, right. From training the horses is realize and understand it. You know, when you're training, I think one of the biggest things about training is you can teach and train a horse and force a horse to do anything you want to do, right? But you don't really learn how to train until you teach accountability, right? When you get that horse to be to know his job well enough to be held accountable for his part and his role and what's what's going on, and that's one of the hardest things to know what to teach and how to teach, right? And 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 you know, you find out it's the same thing with your kids, right? That my job is not, oh, man, I'd love to be able to just take my kids and just form it exactly the way I want. Let me show you because I can do it right now because I've done, done it wrong. And, and But, you know, they all have to go and live through you all that stuff form any too, of them. right? And You're not going to form any of them. <laughs> no, but but I think what our job is, is our job is as, a, as, as fathers is to be there for them when they do mess up mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, we can guide them. I want you to, I actually would, would be okay with you make, making mistakes while you're growing up and in my house so you're not doing it when you're out on your own, you know? Yeah, just let them, you know, learn right from wrong. And the same with the horse, you know, they got to learn for right from wrong. When he doesn't score, he needs to know it. When yeah. he doesn't turn around like you like it, he needs to know it. Well, and you got to let them make those mistakes too because if you don't make their mistakes and you just hold them in that yeah. one spot, that's something that I see, you see. Micromanaging. Uh, yes, the, the, the number four header number you know three header don't that, do this that that goes and holds them thinks he's holding one in a position to where he's where he's doing it. like you're you're it's never gonna go better they're just getting ready to flip you the bird yeah and you can't like sit. i did when i was 16 <laughs> <laughs> well and you're you for one your horse is never gonna know where he's supposed to be two you're never gonna be able to sit right because you're yeah. holding yourself up before you're even sitting down and where you can swing free i mean there's so many things about that that Kind of translate to every part of life too, right? You got to let them. That's a hard thing to learn as a trainer is to let your horse make mistakes. If he does, if he makes mistakes, he can learn. It's the same thing that we do too, right? We had to make the mistakes that made us better men, make us grow, you know, in, in what we're doing. You ever made any mistakes, Hank? <laughs> Dude, I, I have hell out running stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I tell it you what, me a lot. We got. I got a good. Yeah, I got a good story this summer. So, uh, Zank bought a bunch of fresh steers, and he's, we're going to sort sort some of them off and keep them, and we're going to sell some of the rest of them, so we're not going to rope them. Okay, so we had a bunch of guys over at the place right after the 4th of July at Zank's place, and some of these steers got out, and they get out in the cornfield and whatever. So, we don't worry about it. Well, we don't worry about it because you can't find them in a cornfield, and july in south dakota oh, eastern geez. south dakota you can't find them no, right. corn just follows your truck yeah there's no chance you're not finding them so anyways we uh we go rodeoing for a week and we come back and all these big time rodeo guys left 
you know, they left the area because time they to go. it's time to go. You know, we come back because we were rodeoing around the area. And, yeah. And we go to the local bar. Not to make it sound bad, but we go to the local <laughs> bar for a drink. And the, the garage, neighbor, the Bushnell Garage. Yeah, the Bushnell legendary. Garage. Yeah, let's give it a shout yeah, out. Bushnell, Bushnell Garage. <laughs> and uh, we um, were there and a neighbor or another cow guy goes, hey, you missing a steer with a horn wrap on, you know. <laughs> a horn wrap on. Yeah. And Zank goes, well, you, you know, we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, he's over here by this pen of heifers or this by this pasture. He's on the road by this pasture. I got these heifers. In. So we go over there and uh, we unload and sure shit. She, I mean, she's standing right there and we could send her out into this. It was an open field, workout field. And I thought, well, and my horse was at the back of the trailer, and I unloaded my horse, and I thought, well, I'll just lope down the ditch where she can't see me, and I'll pop up on the other side of her, and I'll shoot her out towards our truck, which will shoot her out in this field, and then I'll rope her. But we had two or three other guys with us. And uh, anyways, when I lope off, like I get my horse unloaded and another horse unloads, and I didn't realize, I just got on my horse and I loped down into this ditch. And I won't call out any names or anything, but this guy, he goes to get on his horse and his horse just loped off after my horse. But his horse lopes down into the ditch and then lopes back up onto the gravel yeah. road and shoots this, this steer out into the heifer pen, which no big deal. Anyways, we get out there and we rope this heifer, drag her back in, load her in the trailer, we load her in the trailer, and we no longer got her loaded in the trailer. And think, come on, load these horses in here. Load these horses in here. And he opens the door, and that heifer runs directly back out of the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> we had never tied her in, nothing. And Zach, Zach was standing there, and he goes, oh, I just have a heck of a time out running stupid, he said. <laughs> I'll never forget that. It took us a whole other two weeks before we ever did get yeah, her. Yeah, the, the farmer ended up catching him on his four-wheeler. Remember? Yeah, he I drove, he drove, up, on the, he drove up on the rope and stopped the steer and then tied it to the back of his four-wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sometimes out running stupid uh, sometimes because nobody even bothered to tell them stop either oh yeah that's a great idea let's load these horses. Yeah, and it doesn't stop at a certain age either does but, it uh, no no no, no it just keeps right on it, once you think you got one under control then another one pops up down the road mm-hmm. well um dude i've had a good time with this yeah, uh, uh, you so you guys are going to be up the next three days in San Antonio, fourteenth, no, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, yep. right? And then where hopefully twenty fourth or fifth. Yeah, and then, back yeah, and then coming back to town. So where are you going? You going? You guys going to go to Houston too? No, nope. no Houston nope. for us. We drive all night to Buckeye Sunday for we put on the Royal Crown for thirty. Oh, that's right, because you'll be up there for the future. It starts at ten o'clock on Sunday, so we'll drive. So you'll be so you'll be judging and, and he's judging. I just producing. popped a shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. sure everyone gets a good clean start. So he's gonna be the one sitting in the chair and having a drink. He makes and... me deal with them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's actually I uh I got a new appreciation for for people that show, you know, I really mm-hmm. do from judging. You know, I'd showed some before I ever judged. And uh it's a whole new deal and you know one thing I 
would like to point out on this podcast is there's a lot of easy points out there. <laughs> there's a lot of hard points if your horse isn't getting up, but there's a lot of easy points out there. Yeah. You know, it's funny how many people in the horse industry and doing horse competitions, um, when it becomes to a judged event, time events different, right? Um, but a judged event, how many of them don't read the rule book? Well, our, how many of them don't know what, how the, they're being judged? You know, like they don't know the rules of the game of what it is that they're playing. What, uh, our deal know? is hard judging. And one thing I appreciate about Zank is he's trying to get rodeo guys to judge horses to be rodeo type horses. Because yeah. mm. the thing about team roping is in the <laughs> AQHA, AQHA rope horses are not what you would ever ride at a rodeo. Right. They're not conventional, not, this it, it, doesn't work. It's too slow. Yeah. Um, and so Zank hires, um, rodeo guys to judge his futurities. I, I mixed it up this time. I got, I got some a horse show guy, you know, that's done a lot of horse showing Mark Ray, you know, I, yeah. I want to, I want a little perspective from everyone, but you know, I mean, even Mark, you know, even your horse show guys, they're going to still judge the best horse. To, but that's, to that, and that's how I judge too. I mean, even the, if the, future, the futurity not. I judged from a show horse or not, does, does the horse know his job? Yeah. That's how I judge it from. Yeah. Because they, they show them in two, it's, they work two completely different ways, which doesn't really bother me as a judge. It's does he know his job yeah. and how well is he responding to his job? Because that's how I look at it. And then the guy riding has got to make it known that he does know his job. So he's well, got to And that's where the easy, that's what I was just saying about the yeah. easy points. Yeah. Show off where they know their job. Because if yeah. I, from a judge's standpoint, that's, I remember calling Tommy, who I brought up in every podcast, him telling me, hey, watch if they know, like, you know, and if they know it, it's easy to give extra points yeah. when the rider is not doing anything and they're doing it on their own. That's yeah. easy extra points. Yeah. And if you have your hand in his way, whether he's doing his job or not, it's really hard for me as a judge to tell that he knows I can't it tell that, that well. Yeah. I yeah. can't tell that. Right. So it's hard to give you a, cre a credit like above. It, I have to be able to tell whether you're a step above the next guy coming up. Exactly. Or not. So if you can create that room, if you can show me a little bit more on something like that. It's an interesting perspective. And, it really is, right? And the big thing, too, is, you know, I'm, my goal is to take these horses that are young, five, six-year-olds, and these guys that are running at 150000 at the World Series in Las Vegas, you know, to come by these kind of horses because they work right. They work the way they want them. And the biggest goal is to take these horses once we're done with them as a fraternity year or whatever and be able to market them to the guys that are actually going and competing that's, for this big money. That's the yeah. cool thing about roping is there's a – as a fraternity grows, there's already a growing market that's outgrowing the fraternity rope horses. Man, that is no lie. So that's you know? one thing that had – that. You know, the reigning horse industry has tried to bank on the fact that there's always somebody to buy the lower-level horses, too. But um, I've, I've, always, I've, I've often wondered about that on the, on the you know, there, there have been a couple of, of rope and fraturities that they've had before and trying to make go of a few of them. And, and I don't know that it really, most of them really understood what you were, what they were developing and what they could provide for a huge growing number of people yeah. that, that the market's huge well, the biggest thing and too is like your cow horse people and your reining horse people and your cutting horse stallions you know i mean you think i used to be around ran and adams back in the day and he he owned the millionaire club there in dublin texas mm -hmm. i mean they had 
cutting horses galore. Yeah. You know, but in reality, only a handful of them horses make it. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have 100 colts, and maybe 10 of those colts made it to they went on and trained them. Yeah. So having a rope and fraternity for, you know, and what you look at the studs that are in our program, you got a lot of working cow horse, you got a lot of cutters, you got a lot of reining horses that are in it now, but it's Lots giving of those, horses. yeah, and that's in the barrel horse end of it, but the roping yeah. horse, it's yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of your yeah, reining, right, a lot of your right. cutting. I might have to look but, through what you got as but, far as the list. I, I mean, there's a whole bunch of big, big, big time, you know, working horse, working cow horses and reining horses in our program. And the biggest thing, given those horses, the ones that don't make it in the reining or the cutting that are too big, right? You know, given that That's that stallion and to yeah. a way to market those colts to a different industry. Yeah, exactly, know? exactly. I mean, and, and make it where there's worth some money. You know, yeah. most people go to buy a a a prospect. You know, back in the day, it was whatever prospect you found that was good bred but cheap. Yeah. Well, now you don't find cheap. <laughs> Cheap's there's, not existing. There's nothing cheap right now in the horse industry. There's nothing. Well, you know, and what's really crazy about it is they finally, like, for a horse that's riding and doing, you know, they're actually finally getting the price that they deserve finally. on some of those. I mean, really. For, Even breeders. Yeah. Even breeders are just starting to now. Make what, it worthwhile. Make, you know this well, as a breeder. I mean, as a breeder, you know, being able to sell your yearlings, your, your weanlings off the mare for good money. It's huge. I mean, the you know, idea for that us, but you've invested a ton of well, money in 15, your mares and stuff. I've been 15 years, you know, or I guess we've been breeding horses, what, 17 years? My heart, no, 15, because he's 15 or 16 this year. But anyway, you know, buying those mares, you know, we bought, when we started, we had to get the best deal we could find, you yeah. know. And the next thing you know, we got 30 mares and we thinned them out. Now we're down to about 24. But, I mean, we sold every colt we had but two that we wanted to keep you know and and that's first time in my our our career of breeding horses that we had people wanting to buy them as that young yeah you yeah know? it's the same thing in the reining horse industry it's really, we're having to go old. look around weanlings right yeah. now well a stud he's not usually proven until the son bitch about dead and that's you know true. that's true you know when they turn 20 years old they probably God dang, he's a that's a hell of a stud. <laughs> yeah. Man, he had all these so gold wins on. Yeah, it just worked. takes so long. You know, you you figure he's got to prove himself at some point, and then when finally it gets to the point where he proves himself, he's probably about six or seven years old, and then it takes you five years to get the first one on the ground until old enough to be able to go and compete at some well, of the decent sized events, and that's the first full crop. And you take your hat off to these breeders that have young studs or studs that are young that have that are out there excelling like crazy you know mm-hmm. that and i don't care what anyone says the horse business buying a stud that's worth a shit is shit house luck <laughs> it is you think you have the best bred some buck in the world but at the end of the day it's shit house luck no and 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 most are looking through the stud line so much as it's in the mares I mean, that's that's where you really gotta. You're I mean, right. a, a a a good band of mares can make a stud. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that's something that's just and that's where a lot of people get ahead on this whole deal is being able to know where the good mares are and and you know being able to you know get ones out. Well, of them. No, that's like a big word of wisdom right there. Yeah, and this embryo yeah. deal, you know, where you can take embryo out of a six-year-old mare that's a bad cat and breed yeah. her to the best stud. Guess what? Pretty good chance you're gonna have a hell of a horse. Yeah. You yep. know, and that embryo deals really open the horse deal up on on. You I know. got a I got a question for you too. Yeah, since you're a reining horse guy and in the business, and you're a horse breeder, what 
do you guys see the horse market doing in the next 10 years? Hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious because I see that it's getting, it's the trend to be specialized is getting more and more of a trend to be specialized, but the breeds, the breed associations have, have cannibalized themselves. And I think that um, I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that because I don't know how much the breed associations have, have cannibalized their own shows to the point that quarter horse shows are, you know, few and far between from, you know, what it was like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we had them all over the place. You could go to a quarter horse show every weekend in the state of Texas and never even leave Texas. But what'd you win? Well, you didn't win much. There but, you go. That's why I think but it's you had the Well, but you had the qualifiers. That would, the, the world championship was still meant something, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and now it's not as much because it, you don't really have to work hard to qualify for it. So you would have, you would have your smaller breeding operations that were s scattered throughout, and now the breeding operations have become so centralized that, you know, you have, for the reigning industry, that um, that we have, you know, probably six stallions are our foundational stallions, and those are the ones that are servicing, all you know, all yeah. of them. And so our our gene pool has gotten smaller. <clears throat> and so interesting. You said I'm, that. What do you got to say on it? On the gene pool? No, not on the gene pool. What do you see the horse industry doing in the next ten years? Well, I hope I see it excelling. But who's to say what's going to happen? I mean, the world's crazy, but um, I don't see the good ones that will be worth money all, always. Always. Everybody's good ones will be gonna, worth money always. What, what The thing that's really got me baffled right now is your average ones are no longer bringing average cost. Your average ones that's not that great a horse still bring out you know high dollars i mean that's that's what i'm lost is your average horse that used to bring four to six thousand mm -hmm. they're now ten to twelve thousand but you know what i think that it's finally righted itself because probably for 20 years you know not the the not so great horse always stayed at three to four thousand dollars when in reality we always had a lot more than three to four thousand dollars into them we had it wasn't that year. bad of a horse. No, it wasn't that bad. And but that was your own, that's our own fault for it staying is. hooked. <laughs> well, and, and, I've had a few of them. Well, but I think the other part is that not, I think it's a lot more to do with not um, putting the emphasis on a horse's quality or, or its um, usefulness in a different area. You know, like it may not have been something that was going to get you where you needed to be, but it was the value in... Well, I'll say so. This will this will be a, you'll get this that rope horse that never was going to go win you anything big, but it taught every kid in the neighborhood because it was just the steady Eddie. It didn't get hot in the box. It was the one that would put you where you're supposed to be. It taught you know 15 kids to rope. It passed around, and that one that you know everybody wanted, but you know they couldn't because it didn't win a rodeo or wasn't going to do this nobody would pay fifteen thousand dollars for it but you you and i both know that nobody would get let go of it because it would teach every one of your kids to be able to to do it and for us to not see the value in that horse how many kids that it took they do to, now, that I taught think. yeah I, that's what i mean i think those are finally getting their due on I what do. they are worth mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i agree with I you mean, there scout yeah. scout's right. an example of that 
Scouts, he's in a great place right now. A friend of mine bought him. He, he loves him, but he was a good horse, but he, he, he appreciates a little lower-level roping. Yeah. You know, I asked him for his life every time, and <laughs> yeah. now he's in a place where the guy just loves him. He's an older guy and yeah. feels on him, and Scout I, loves him. And that's worth a ton. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it took it that guy... And made him a better, well, better yeah. than where he probably would have no, been. No, it's enjoyable. More. It's more enjoyable yeah. than the side by side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. It is more enjoyable than the side by side to get on a good rope horse that you get on, put the bridle on, and you back them in the box, and you just you go rope. Well, and it teaches you, you it teaches you to be successful, and it teaches you how to be able to put your hand down. It teaches you how to be able to to ride and balance because well, it's it might not teach too much. you to be the next badass. You know? exactly. I mean, honestly, that's what it takes. I, exactly. I think someone who has a kid out there that wants to rope is go buy him a good horse. Go buy him an honest a horse good that, one. They, that they don't that they don't have to yeah. fight. Next thing you know, you got this kid. You got you might have the next junior in the gator. And it, yeah. and, in that, and that next good horse isn't necessarily the fastest horse. It's not the what. It's the good horse it's for that kid at the, the world stage. Title. At. No. Yeah. It's 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 the kids. That horse will put that kid where he's supposed to be at right now. Yeah, and there's so many kids these days that are talented. It's it, the roping oh. deal is just unbelievable to me. Yeah. The amount of talent that's out there, but like I think about it, you know, when I roped, it, there wasn't that many guys that caught good, you know. And you look at these kids these days, but you know, they should be better because they've got every video oh, of yeah. every major roping in the country. When I was a kid, I had every rodeo video that was made. When when Reed Flake made a video, I I bought the videos. <laughs> yeah. We had a handful of videos that we could watch on TV. Then when Junior, when I started raising Junior, shit, you had the Hork Dog, you had the BFI, you had the George Strait, you had all these major ropings to watch. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah, you know, that and I, well, I'm curious, do you feel like there's enough guys mentoring now? Oh, yeah, there's guys that, I mean, you got guys putting on schools every every day you know I, big big wig big guys that are good good ropers i i agree with Sank, but one thing i'll say from a canadian kid standpoint yeah nobody will come from more an isolated place than me put yourself out there and try a little bit and man, and the try. right people will come to you there's good people no matter where you come from i don't care where you come from if you try a little bit, I've known Zank now for most of my professional, actually almost all my professional career, and now I'm roping with him, you know, which is great. And but he helped me early on because I tried, I tried, I had a little bit of heart. Yep. You know, just show a little bit of heart, and yeah. people are going to be there to that's help you, you. That's who you want to help. That's who. Yep. The, those are the kids that you want to invest into. And, that, and I, I am willing to help. I tell everybody this: I'm willing to help, which I'm not a. I'm not in anybody yet. I'm trying, you know, but try. Yeah. If anybody shows me any amount of try, I'm I'm in, yeah. you know, to help them. And uh, and and things come, things happen. I remember growing up and going, man, I'd be 14 years old and going, man, if I could be, you know, Marty Becker was was the only guy I knew in Canada that had done anything in the United States and. Uh, He's in the top 30 of the world healing. And I kept thinking to myself, man, if I could just be in the top 30, I'd be happy. Yeah. Well, now I've done that <laughs> a couple times, a few times, you yeah. know, and I'm like, well, I ain't happy. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I need to yeah. get farther. You know, I need to do this. I need to yeah. go farther with it. And that's well, if you want it, you'll get it. That's exactly. If you want it, you'll get that's it. Right. And you won't get it if you quit. That's right. That's, that's right. the whole deal. Yeah. I, that's one thing that you're guaranteed. And you you will what? not get it if you There's quit. Something that I love hearing, and, and I mean, you hear someone when I you you go to a local spot. This kid, he's he's the next. He's the next Caleb Driggers. Oh God. He's the next Caleb Driggers. <laughs> You know what? I, I, I laugh because, hey, he might have talent, but until he see what kind of heart he's got, yes. you don't know what you got, you know? Nope. And and I think I think the talent out there and, and you Talent's know, huge. people just have to say that no matter what, I mean, I hear so many guys that might be the talentedest guy in the world, and you know, if I had more money, yeah. I would make it. Well, hey, <laughs> I know when I left the house, there might have been 1,200 in my account. And I barely be able to get to where I was going, but I did it. And, you know, something like I raised Junior D's, you know, and, and something that I that he does is, is you know, he ain't afraid to load up in the trailer, have $700 to I his did. name, I will tell and you, head out. Junior stresses me out. <laughs> and I've done it broke before. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you want to know what, what admires me does. about him is it don't matter. He, yeah. He's going to make it work. He's going to figure out how to make it work. He's got a ton of heart. He's and, got a ton of heart. And, and he's got a lot of back. He had a lot of he's got a lot of backing that helps him. Don't get me wrong, but the bottom line is he can have seven hundred dollars and you can still make it. If you got heart and you have no stopping yeah. you money so, money is is a big deal, but for, it really isn't it, if you it's have it's not it's not that big of a deal because the first time I was ever in the top thirty of the world, I left home and I went to Rapid City. And I left home from northern Alberta. Northern Alberta. Like, I mean, this is not, you don't just get to rope and what you've seen us practicing today. Yeah. Like, I roped in a 180-foot uh, building by 60 wide. Yeah. That's what I practiced on. And I went to Rapid City, and I went to Fort Worth. Or I went to Rapid City, Denver, and then Fort Worth, I think. And I left home with $3,500 Canadian. That ain't shit. It's 70% of what America Hey, Canadian. <laughs> like, that's broke. When they say they're paying you Canadian. <laughs> was, you're like, you're, oh, God. oh, God. That was the first time I ever was in the top 30 of the world. Now, I ended the year with some debt. Don't get me. Don't, <laughs> don't ever kid yourself. And I actually missed the Canadian finals that year. That was a terrible year. I had to go to Isn't work in the crazy, old field. crazy, though, but... that you can be top 30 in the world? And what other event can you be, you know, or what other competition can you be top 30 in the world and come out and not – you know, being in the black. No, I was in debt. Yeah, in isn't debt. that crazy? In debt. Yeah. I was in debt. Yeah. Unless you're oh, yeah. in the top ten in the world, you pretty good chance you might be in debt. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the year, I unless you travel like we do, Zank yeah. and I are not afraid to sleep in a pickup if we got to. Man. And we will eat a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will eat a hot dog. Bean and bean and weenies. <laughs> yep. Well, that that was one thing that was told to me whenever I first started out. It was like, yo, this is what you'd want to do. Well. Don't think you're gonna get ever get rich, cause you better really like this, cause you ain't gonna make any money doing this. And I found a way to make a living at doing it. You know, you had to you had to be smart, and you had to kind of you know run a better business, and you had to do some of that stuff, and you know to make it to where you made it to where you could make a living and stuff. But um, I think the best part about it is that you know that was really actually pretty good advice, cause it from the right from the beginning, I had to realize that you know I better really really like this, cause it's you know, probably going to be the biggest reward about it is I really, really I mean, like it. a lot of guys get rich riding horses, too. Training yeah. Horses, you yeah, know? I mean, you, you really nice can. Ones, make nice ones. They sell for it's a lot of money. Huge job. You really can. But, but 
It's not a guarantee. That can't, yeah, that can't be your your guarantee, guarantee, and and, and really don't want to measure yourself on that because you can. There ain't a whole lot of good. The retirement's not real great. Mark it's not. It's not. It is definitely not. Well, guys, it's been probably a getting a little late, and we have been on. So I want to thank uh, Free Roam uh, Brewery, Brewery here in yeah. Bernie, Texas. Pretty good beer. Real good beer. This is the first. Uh, if you're in Bernie, you better come down here and try them out. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we will be coming back um, and doing a few more this next week over the time, uh, actually, next couple of weeks uh, for the rodeo in San Antonio and having a few people stop in, um, tune back in. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Going Time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.